This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One and two. Man's now going to help Reader out. Rulos holds the bat up high. Here comes the one-two pitch. And it's inside corner. Strike three call. That was Kirk Reader, or Woody as we know him striking out Albert Pujols in the deciding NLCS Game 5 in 2002 that sent the Giants to the World Series. That's the back end of his career, but wait until you hear what his reaction was when he found out his Giants career was about to start in the form of a trade from the Expos. Those stories and more as we go inside Kirk Reader's Giant Moments now. Now. This is Inside Giant Moments, presented by Oracle. Our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. All right, Kirk Reiner joins us on the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Kirk, first and foremost, thank you so much. It is uh, is great to have you here. Oh, it is my pleasure. I can always uh, reminisce about the good times. No doubt, and that's what we want to do, celebrate some of the memorable moments. And so let's go ahead and do it. Let's take a stroll through your your career. Let's start in 1996. You get traded from the Expos to the Giants. What do you remember about that day? Uh, the, the big thing I remember is I was going to pitch that night, and I had been trying to get traded for like a month because the Expos had sent me down. And – there was a bunch of teams that were kind of looking at me that were going into the playoffs or were in playoff pennant races. And they called me in a hotel room and our GM said, I got good news and bad news. And he said, the good news is we traded you finally. You're not, uh, you're no longer an expo. And I said, Hey, I don't even care what the bad news is. I'm good. (laughs) And he, he, he made the bad news as, that I got traded to the Giants and that they were going to lose a hundred games that year. Like I wasn't going to a playoff team. And I said, Hey, I don't even care. I said, send me on the next plane. I said, I'm ready to go be a giant. And uh, it was, it was the turning point in my career. And it was one of the happiest days of my life. I'll never forget. Cause my wife and I were in the hotel room and, you know, we were excited to be going on another chapter of our career and I didn't care where I was going and but like I said it turned out to be the best move uh, that ever happened to me that's really interesting because you hear from so many guys even if their team's not good at the time that a trade is really disruptive and it's hard on families what what was it that was going on with your experience with the Expos that that made you want out so much well I'd been up I mean I came up and and was you know had the fairy tale beginning where I started my career without a loss for the first year and a half or that I was up there and then the strike came and they had sent me down in 95 almost the whole year and then I'd come back up and pitched well at the end of that year so then 96 came and I started the year and went the whole time in the rotation and then I think 
ironically, I think we got Jeff Juden from the Giants, or they somehow he was on the Giants and came to Montreal, and then they sent me down, and then I had kind of been like, hey, you know what? You know, I've been up and down now two or three times. Let's just give me a change of scenery and see what I can do. And they were like, well, we're not just going to give you away. And, you know, we need something. And so we went back and forth. And then, thankfully, you know, I think it was the second to last day. I don't think it was the final day of the deadline. I'd have to check to make sure. But when they finally called me, and like I said, it was it was the happiest day for me. I was I was ready to go anywhere. And obviously, San Francisco turned out to be the best place I could have went. <laughs> that following year, your first full year as a Giant, uh, things do start to turn for the organization. And it was also your first full year uh, starting for an entire year. You made over 30 starts. You won 13 games. From a pitching standpoint, what was it that really started to click for you there? Uh, well, I think just the confidence that, that the organization and, and especially Dusty, you know, just put in me even in spring training. I'll never forget Bake. He thought I was kind of pressing uh, early in the camp, uh, 97, that like uh, that I was trying to make the team. And he, he finally pulled me aside one day and had said, hey, you know, just, just relax and pitch the way that I've seen you pitch against us. Uh, I think the two of my best games ever with the Expos was, was against San Francisco. And he said, you know, hey, you're going to make the team. He goes, just relax and, and do your thing and go win me some games. And I think from that point on, in my mind, I was like, hey, he doesn't care if I throw, you know, 95 or what I'm doing with my – if I can get guys out and, and put Ws in the win column for him – it's not going to matter how I look. And, and I think that was a big, a big thing for me and my confidence. I just went out then and, and competed and it was kind of whatever I had to do on that day to, to get my team a win. Uh, I was going to try and do, and, and I think Dusty, you know, really, really put that in my head and, and gave me that, that confidence boost uh, in spring training that year. I mean, you're still a young guy at that point, too. Were there any other pitchers on on the team at that time that kind of took you under their wing? Oh, well, definitely Gardy. I mean, Mark Gardner was kind of our uh, father figure because we had, we had some young guys. You know, uh, Van Landingham was still there uh, my first full year at the start of that year. And obviously, Sean, you know, Estes, uh, me and him kind of just bonded right away, even at the end of the – 96 season uh, us both being left-handed both being kind of goofy and uh, we, we <laughs> both of us kind of like the same thing we went every spring training and would go and watch the NCAA tournaments uh, every every time uh, go to a bar and sit there all day and just look at brackets and so we we kind of bonded pretty quick uh, and and so but Gardy was definitely the guy that kind of tried to keep us all all in line and hey get your work in this is what you got to do to to make it through a full season this is what you you know how you go about to 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 be a big leaguer and and to be you know successful up here and so we we owed a great uh, deal to him uh, that year to kind of keep us all on the same page you guys make the playoffs that year and you get the ball game one against the Marlins and you pitched great seven innings. You only allowed one run. What, what stands out in your, in your memory about that game? Uh, well, they always say you remember the, the bad things and, and 
you know, the thing that I'll always remember is I didn't throw a ton of curveballs, and, and I threw one that Charles Johnson hit it out, and we were winning one to nothing. And he hit it out and tied it at one. And, you know, I always think back, you know, gosh, if I just throw him a sinker like I do all the time, he probably just rolls it over. And do we win that game one to nothing? And, and everything changes that year. But, you know, it, it was just a battle. I mean, I knew going in, you know, Kevin Brown was was going to be facing me. and He was on a roll, you know, that year. And uh, I knew there probably wasn't going to be a lot of runs scored. And so it was a, it was a great game. And obviously, I would have liked us to win, so it didn't turn out the best. But, you know, that's the one thing I remember is, like I said, I, I remember the bad stuff, uh, especially if, if your team doesn't end up winning. And, and I, I remember hanging that curveball, and they tied it, and then they, they won it, I think, on the in the bottom of the ninth or bottom of the tenth. I don't know if that one went extra innings or not. But, uh, you know, and, and then they ended up sweeping us. Yeah, that's a true pro athlete. You guys always remember the, uh, the, the, the failures, and those stick with you a little bit longer. But uh, the, the good news is, and we're going to remind you of a bunch of these things, there was a bunch of good stuff still coming too, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was – I mean, it was – that year I will never look back on anything but positive because of how we were looked at in spring training. We had gotten a bunch of guys, you know, saves had, had done the masterful job of – of trading guys and bringing in all these, these new guys that people are like, Oh my gosh, how are these guys ever going to win? You know, we, we got JT, we got uh, Kent, we got Daryl Hamilton in. Uh, I had just come the year before Mark Lewis came and it was kind of all these guys that had something to prove and had been in the major leagues, but hadn't really solidified themselves. And uh, that was, that was the most fun year. Uh, that I've had in baseball because I always tell people it's a lot better to prove people wrong when when they think you're you're not going to do anything than it is when you're on top and or people every year think okay hey they're supposed to win it or they're they should win this many games Uh, that year's team everybody thought we were going to finish dead last and and it wasn't even going to be close and you know obviously then to beat the Dodgers too uh, that introduced me to the Giants Dodgers rivalry uh, right away that first year by beating them and, and having them finish second. <laughs> yeah, and I have to think a, a building block of sorts. Like, do you feel there was a lot that happened that year that sort of set the stage for the playoff appearances that were still ahead? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that just gave everybody the confidence. You know, like you said, I hadn't pitched a full year yet in the big leagues. Sean, that was his first full year, and he was incredible you know, going to the all-star game and, and winning 19 games uh, and, and just on and on. I mean, everybody solidified. I mean, I think you could probably say Barry might have been the only guy uh, on that team that everybody was like, okay, he's he's an all-star. He's, you know, he's he's there. And then the rest of us were kind of, okay, we got to, you know, pick up the slack and, and help him out. And, you know, J.K. turned into an MVP. J.T. was unbelievable for – eight, nine years uh, in the Bay, uh, and, and everybody. Aurelia was on that team, started to see what it was going to take to win, and uh, it was just on and on. And I, But I think everybody got that confidence that, hey, hey, we can win. Now we can win. Now we just got to go out every, every year and, and, and try and get to that ultimate prize. 
And you guys were a good team every year after that, 98 and 99, but it's in 2000 that you guys break through 97 wins after moving to the new ballpark. And you were the first pitcher to start a game in that yard. What did that mean to you? Uh, it was great. I mean, it, and it's great now. Now, at the time, it wasn't as fun because we ended up losing, and I think Elster <laughs> hit three home runs and right. hit two off of me. And But at the, at the time, it was exciting because it, everybody knew what the new ballpark was going to mean to our organization and to our fans and just the excitement it brought. Kurt Reeder takes the hill. Kurt pitched the exhibition game here, the first one. The Milwaukee Brewers were in town. So he has some familiarity with that mound right now. Unlike uh, any of his Dodger counterparts today. It looks to me, John, that he has handled the, the warming up responsibilities that can be so disruptive in, a, in an opening day series. He's handled it very well. He did not throw too many pitches down the bullpen, and he looks to me like he's ready to go. The key for Reader is he's got to establish his sinker. So we'll watch his velocity early on and his downward movement. That is his key. Ron White will lead it off. And the first pitch is outside for ball one. 1.40 p.m. We are underway. 65 degrees, the official game time temperature. And I always told people back then, hey, it's great now, but I'll really like it, you know, 20, 30 years from now when I can tell people that, hey, that first pitch I threw at it. And one of the ironic stories is some of the other pitchers were, were upset because they, I, I actually threw the first pitch when we played Milwaukee in an exhibition game. So I got to throw that first pitch and then got to come back and throw the first pitch again when the regular. And I know a lot of guys are like, hey, how come what are you getting to throw? Right. He's throwing the first pitch both times. <laughs> so, so I kind of got the, the best of both worlds because I got to throw it out in the exhibition series and in the regular season but uh you know it was it was so much fanfare and like i said i wish we could have won uh but obviously we didn't win i don't know how many games we lost i remember people were starting to think we should go back to to candlesticks i don't think we won for like the first homestand or we lost our first seven or eight games and uh so it was kind of people were starting to worry but it turned out okay (laughs) what was was there an actual competition amongst the pitchers Were, were people jockeying to try to get that start well i mean anything i mean i don't think we were saying it out loud but it was like man i wonder who's going to open the new park because we started on the road and and i think if i'm not i mean you'd have to go fact check me but i think levo levon started opening day and i don't remember where we were but everything just kind of worked out for me like like i said starting that first exhibition game it was my turn from spring training and then they rolled me right into hey this is where you're going to start we opened on the road somewhere but you're going to open the the park the first game there too against the Dodgers and I was like oh great this will be great (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh but no I I don't know if we were jockeying but we knew it was going to be a a a nice honor to to be able to do it just because like I said how much excitement uh everybody had been looking forward to with that ballpark uh by the way I am fact checking you are correct Levon Hernandez did start the uh good memory nice job he did start the uh the opener you you guys were in Florida and uh, and you lost 6 to 4 <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I wouldn't have known that, but I, I did know we lost yeah. the first game, uh, the first game of the park, and like I said, a few, uh, a few after that. I think we actually were hoping another good story from that one of those series. I think, gosh, the, we had the president was coming in, uh, and we got rained out, and actually everybody was wanting to get rained out because we hadn't won. And but they kept holding off because it was supposed to be Sunday night baseball, I think. And you probably have to fact check me again, but they were holding off, and then they finally canceled it uh, just because that it was uh, raining. And then we we ended up not playing the final game, and so we still hadn't won in our new park, and we went off on another road trip. And I think that's when all the the fans were like, "Oh my gosh, this park! We're never going to win in this park." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, it was two weeks later. I bet you do remember who the first team was you guys beat in that ballpark, though. Was it the Expos? Yes, it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I think you I got him back. I pitched one of the game. I think I might have pitched the game that we finally won. Uh, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how good my memory is. I'm get I'm getting old. No, but, uh, your 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 memory is great. You didn't get the win because it was a pitcher's duel. Uh, you guys won the game two to one, but you uh, you gave up one run in seven innings and only three hits against those Expos. Yeah, I, That's pretty good. I thought I, I I thought it was against the Expos, so it was always good to beat Montreal. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Were you aware, by the way, right away of what a pitcher's park? that place would become boy boy not not at first i mean i know when we were going in there everybody said it's going to be such a hitter's park because everybody was thinking the right field was so short and but after the the first game that i actually pitched in it that milwaukee game i think then i i went in and i was like boy this this might not be too bad because i think i gave right. up some, <laughs> some pretty good some pretty good hits but I always threw pitches away and they were hitting them out there into triples alley and they weren't going anywhere. I mean, it was just so right. big out there. And I'm like, boy, there's not many balls that people usually hit right down the line off of me. So I think I could get used to pitching here. <laughs> and and <Yeah. laughs> it turned out, it turned out that that's the way it played. I mean, you, you very rarely see a lot of guys hit it right down the line and that's where it was the shortest. And, you know, you just kind of played to that park. And, and I think as it went on that year, you know, we didn't have a ton of strikeout guys on that staff. I mean, 2000, but we learned to pitch to that park really well. You know, even if we get behind in the count, you know, 3-1 or uh, 2-0, we could still throw strikes to the outer part of the plate and, you know, hey, here you go, hit it. Hit it out there to right center and we got a guy standing there. <laughs> so, uh you know, you, you kind of got used to it uh, after a while. Kirk, let's go to the playoffs that year. Game two with a one nothing series lead, and Sean Estes is the starter. He tweaks his ankle out there on the base paths. What happens in the dugout in that moment? Uh, well, I mean, I had my spikes on because I wasn't going to start. Uh, they told me, hey, the first two games of the series, put your spikes on just in case. And, but, you know, back then, you know, we didn't have, well, they, I don't know if they have the bullpen yet, but you just, everybody was in the dugout, even the guys that were normal bullpen guys. But when Sean got hurt on the bases, they were like, Hey, you're in, he's not going to be able to go. So I had to hurry up, 
and so it wasn't it wasn't like I got a lot of time to think and it was I think either my first or second career relief appearance anyway so I didn't really know what to expect I just knew you know once you get put in that situation and with it being the playoffs it's kind of your adrenaline takes over and you're just ready to get out there and and pitch and you know thankfully it, it worked out that I was able to kind of hold hold right there and but then we ended up it was a great game but then we ended up uh, not not coming out on top at the end but for me it was just that adrenaline kicked in and uh you know I I turned into a reliever even though uh, I I hadn't been one uh, my whole career yeah I I wonder as a as a starter what kind of challenges you faced in in being thrown into a completely different scenario like that yeah because as a starter you you know you prepare not even that day you're preparing all week you know as soon as your one your starts over you're you're looking to the next start and you know kind of what the your routine is how you get ready uh how you stretch before the game and and when you're a reliever there's there's no i mean they have their routines too but it takes them time to <clears throat> see what works for them or or what doesn't and i didn't have that luxury i was hey put your spikes on and if we need you, we're going to put you in. So it was kind of learning on the fly. But but like I said, boy, being a playoff game, adrenaline kicks in pretty quick. So uh, it didn't take me long to, to get, get loose and to, to get into the game. And what's your thought process that, entire time that you're in there the team is down two to one in in that game and as as you've referenced here it's a, a playoff game it's tight uh, are are you sort of changing your approach at all in knowing that there's just no wiggle room uh well not really I mean once I got in I mean I knew Dusty was probably going to leave me in as long as I could go because I don't know exactly what inning Sean got hurt but I knew it wasn't one of those situations where they were just going to put me in for a batter, or, you know, two batters and then yank me out like, like a normal reliever to, to face a certain guy. I was going to go an inning or two at least. So in my mind, I was in like a starter mode of, Hey, I'm losing two to one. I got to keep this right here and give my guys a chance to, to win this and or tie it up and win it. And so I kind of went into starter mode just that I was losing two to one and, like I'd already given up two runs and I had to keep the game right there. And that, that was like kind of my philosophy all the time was if it was eight to seven, you know, then keep dusty to always say that, Hey, whatever the score is, keep it there and give our guys a chance to, to come back because that team, especially 2000 was, was loaded and, and we, we were able to score runs. And so as long as you could keep them close, uh, we always felt we had a pretty good chance to win. Well, and then that's what happens in the ninth inning when J.T. Snow hits the three-run homer to tie the game. What what happens in the dugout? Oh, it was nuts. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, and like I said, when it's a playoff game, it's just a different level. I mean, baseball can be such a a long season through the whole summer, and, uh, but boy, when it's when it's playoffs or when it's a a, a pennant race in September, the intensity just picks up and, and everybody's on the edge of their seat with, with every pitch. And, you know, when he hits that home run, I think if you'd have went in our dugout, there wouldn't have been one guy uh, sitting down. I know that, but we, we thought we had it. I mean, when he tied it, you know, when, you, when you're the home team and, and you tie a game at the bottom of the ninth, 
you, you just feel you're going to win. And, and I think the crowd felt it. And uh, so it was, it was kind of bedlam, you know, in the, in the dugout. But then, like I said, unfortunately, <laughs> we end up not, not winning and it kind of sucked the air right out of the, the stadium again. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, and the the series as well. But uh, onward, 14 wins in 2001, 14 more in 2002, which was, of course, a very special season. In the NLDS, you draw the start in game one against the Cardinals. How did you find out you were going to get that game? Uh, Well, I mean, it kind of just was the way that it was set up. I mean, you know, we went to Atlanta, and I actually sat in the – bullpen in Atlanta that whole game five when Russ pitched so well and then we ended up you know winning that with the uh, men with the crazy play at the end where nobody even knew if the game was over or not uh but I was in the bullpen but then I knew that hey if, if we do win Dust, hey you'll probably pitch game one if you don't ha- if you don't get in this game if it's not a you know 20 inning game and you have to pitch in, in Atlanta so, so I kind of already knew if I didn't pitch that I was probably going to get the game one start. And so to me, it was, it was special because I grew up a big Cardinal fan. So to be able to come back home and, and start, you know, game one of a playoff series, I'd always envisioned me doing that <laughs> like as a kid or, or growing up, but it was always when I'd be pitching for St. Louis, not uh, for another team. But, uh, you know, it, it worked out good. I would I would uh, rather been on another team than coming in with San Francisco to start a playoff series with the Cardinals. You get the win there. You're also on the mound for game five, which ends up being the clincher. You get six shutout innings in that game. What stands out from that night? Uh, just, I mean, it – we didn't want to go back to St. Louis, uh, and, and I hadn't thrown great in the first game. Me and Matty Moe uh, didn't really throw great in game one in St. Louis. I did get the win, but I gave up, I think, four runs or five runs. And so I think both of us kind of wanted to go back out and, and show that, hey, game one, you didn't see our best. And so he came out and was throwing great, and we didn't want to go back. And so the, it just became a pitcher's duel. And the thing that I, that stood out for me is I think, I don't know how many times I actually struck out Albert Pujols, but because he, he hit me pretty good, but I know they had first and third, I think in that game, or maybe fourth inning, third or fourth inning with only one out. And I threw him a fastball in and he took it and struck him out and then got out of the inning with the net, with no runs where if he just hit the sack fly or whatever, they probably score easily. One and two. Fans now going to help Reader out. Pujols holds the bat up high. Here comes the one-two pitch. And it's inside corner. Strike three call. They set the hole at bat up away. And on a payoff pitch, they came right at the belt in the inside corner. And Albert Pujols, who was looking for the pitch away, set up away, and all he could do was take it like a man. It locked him up totally. Reader doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but that was a big one. A strikeout situation, runners at first and third, one out, big play. And so that, that was kind of a big moment in that game for me. But then just the, the ending, I mean, when you, when you clinch and go to the World Series, that's what everybody as a player you dream about. And, 
when Kenny Lofton got that hit, I mean, it was just everybody was going crazy, and uh, it was just a great time to, to be to be a Giant uh, to, when you got that hit and to go to the World Series. Bell, the possible winning run at second base. Here's the pitch. Lofton swings. Line drive, base hit right field. Here comes Bell, rounding third, heading home. Here comes the throw, and it's outside. We're good. And the Giants have won the pennant. The Giants are the champions of the National League, and they come pouring out of the dugout. Kenny Lofton, the man they love to hate in St. Louis, knocks in the winning run and knocks a stake through the heart of the Cardinals. I wonder where you were in that moment because sometimes the starter is in the showers or, or who knows where. So where are you when Lofton gets that hit? Oh, gosh, no. I'm right out there. Yeah, and I, and I was one of the guys that I would always do the same thing. Like, I had that routine. If, if I got taken out, I didn't care if I gave up 10 runs or if I had a shutout going into the ninth. Uh, if, if Ninner was coming in or the closers was coming in, I, I left the dugout. I went up. I was already getting my ice, and I didn't stay out on the field. But, boy, playoffs, when, when I started playoff games, uh, and especially that one, when you knew if we won, <laughs> you're going to the World Series. I, I broke routine uh, a little bit for, for that game because I was, I was right out there, and I was doing all the hugging and jumping on the field uh, just like everybody else. I wasn't going to have to – well, you know, at our park there, the, the run from the clubhouse to the – dugout's pretty far so i wasn't going to be up in the clubhouse right. if, if we clinched to go to the world series <laughs> well and, it, and not only is it the first world series appearance in 13 years for the giants and the city had never won a title it's also the first time the team is is going back after the earthquake interrupted 1989 world series so there's so many emotions going on at that time for giants fans what were you hearing from fans at that time Oh, they were just ecstatic. I mean, just thanking us and uh, how great it was. And, you know, it was, it's a, that group that we had for, you know, seven, six, seven, eight years with, you know, Barry and Kent and Snow and Aurelia, Estes, Ortiz, LeVon. I, mean, I could go on and on uh, with all the guys. We were all so close and had kind of grown up together. And I think the fans really embraced us just because they got to know us. It was almost like they didn't, they didn't look at us as, as just baseball players. When you're, when you're around somebody that long, you're watching them. They, they actually thought that, Hey, these are our guys. And, and I think it made it that, that much or more special for them that they got to do it with us and that, that we were able to, to go to the world series. And, and I think they enjoyed it. You started game four in that series. I remember being in the building for this. It was a tense moment as the team is down two games to one and you fall behind three to nothing early in the game. So take me inside your mind in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying to keep it, keep it close. And I know Gloss hit the, the home run to like dead center. And made it, and I was like, "Oh no!" Because it was kind of like that sucked right. the life out. Because we needed to win. I mean, he didn't want to go down three to one. I mean, and then we still had to go to their place for two games. And and I remember Dusty saying, "Hey, keep it there, keep it there. We're gonna, we'll come back." And the big thing was he let me lead off the one inning because I thought, okay, hey, gonna, it was, I think it was the sixth, maybe or the. I don't know if he let me lead off. The I fifth. think it was the fifth. 
Yeah, yeah it was, the, let me lead it was off. the fifth inning. And and I was like, hey, and he goes, yeah, he goes, hey, you get, yeah, he, and because I started pitching better, so he was thinking, hey, we can hold him. I, I still might need hitters later, and so I let off, and that that started the rally. Now I'll tell everybody I hit a bullet somewhere up the middle, but I hit a little <laughs> number, and it, it checked up like a like a golf shot. My my daughter's a golfer, and I told her she couldn't have spun it back any better. I said. <laughs> It checked up, and I was able to beat it out. And then we ended up tying it, I think, in that inning and made it 3-3 three to three with, with balls. And then Kenny Lofton bunted, and I don't think – I don't know if his bunt went farther than my hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you had a whole lot of infield singles in your career. No, and especially not in between the, the pitcher and the catcher. There was <laughs> – Right, but uh, it was it was perfectly placed with enough enough backspin, and then like I said, then Kenny Lofton bunted that one that like went right down the third baseline, squiggling back and forth, and then Gloss picked it up and it was on the line, and so we had first and second. And I don't think both of our hits together would have made it to the pitcher's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, your memory is on point. You guys tie the game at three right there. You complete six innings on the mound. It's David Bell that gets the RBI hit in the eighth that eventually proves to be the game winner. Here's the pitch. Swing and a drive up the middle of the base hit. Here comes Snow rounding third. Erstad's throw is a good one. Snow slide. He's in there. And the Giants take the lead. David Bell comes through. Money hit. Absolute money hit. How do you describe that night in fall? Oh, it was it was great. I think we felt after that that we had them. I think we thought, you know, hey, we tied it back up. We got one more home game. And we had I think we had Schmitty, I think, going in game five. So we felt really good that we, we had, you know, and then we'd have to win one back in, in Anaheim. And because we knew we couldn't go down three to one. So I think the, the confidence level after that game four was sky high. And I think we had finally broken through on uh, Rodriguez. That was who we actually got the, the hit off of and scored the run. And he'd been almost like unhittable the whole playoffs and, and since he'd been up. So I think that kind of upped everybody's confidence too. So the feeling in our clubhouse was this was a big win. And now, now let's go finish the job. Uh, a few years later, you uh, you hang him up, but within one year, you're already you're back at the yard. You're being honored with a life-size bobblehead on the field. Uh, I, I just think uh, w- when we look at teammates and fans, you're very clearly connected uh, with uh, with with the people that are around this organization. What do you think sparked that connection? Uh, I don't know. Maybe because I uh, Kruko made me a cartoon character. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, we, well, I think I think you, you can't be mad when you can never get too mad at a guy that's uh, named or after a cartoon character, Woody. So right. I, I think the fans maybe they they took it easy on me. Even if I had bad games, they they wouldn't get too upset. But but no, I don't know. The Giants do a great job of just as an organization you know, making it feel like family. And that's why all those years that, like, I'd have negotiations. I mean, that was one thing I was most proud of my whole time in San Francisco is is I never, you know, a lot of guys want to become a free agent, 
and I never became a free agent. I, they, I had two opportunities to do it, and each time we were able to get something done during the season, which doesn't happen a lot, but I was able to do it twice and, and so that I could stay and my family could stay uh, in San Francisco, and you know, I'll forever be grateful to the Giants for, for that. And they just made everybody feel like family. And that's why I, I always wanted to stay. And, and I did. I always felt that connection with the fans. I was like, why would anybody want to leave places where you've been for a while and, and people like what you do and, and you enjoy doing it for them? Uh, I, I just never wanted to leave. And, and that's why we still always come back. I mean, I, I love coming back and, and going to the, to the ballpark and seeing people that that I haven't seen for a year or two. and But it always makes me feel young, but it always brings back that connection, like you're saying, you know, with the fans. And, and I always always tried to, to do as much as I could for the fans because I was a little boy, you know, growing up and wanting autographs and, and all that. So anytime I, I could help the fans, uh, I always tried to do that. Well, I, I think it means a whole lot. And by the way, I think uh... – and this goes for teammates and fans alike as well. I, you mentioned the cartoon character. It might also be uh, the speed with which you pitched. I, I, I mean, your games were always so quick. I know your teammates loved that. Uh, the fans loved that. It was an entire uh, pace of play thing, and there's so much talk about that in the game right now. And I'm thinking maybe Kirk Reeder, it, your, your pitching style might be the cure to all this. Yeah, well, I get it and throw it, and that's well. I always needed defense because I wasn't going to strike out many guys, and right. I always wanted my guys ready to go. And I know even Richie, you know, he'd be at short, and and those guys, JT, uh, they just loved playing behind me. They said because hey, there wasn't any law, you know, you you'd get the ball and come right back to you. You're throwing it, and it kept everybody on their toes. And so I I always tried to, hey, if you like that, I'm going to keep doing it because I need you guys to be ready because there's going to be right. some bullets coming at you. <laughs> so so get, ready, get, ready to, get ready to field. So I need you on your toes. So if that's what it takes, I'll keep throwing fast. <laughs> Let's be honest, Kirk. The shed has something to do with this as well. Everyone wants to visit that shed and have you had additional requests over the years i know you invited everyone when you would go play the cardinals but beyond that do people still want to come see the shed i've had some guys i had a guy do a, a story uh on it just this past year he flew out and uh and did it uh and uh, actually sean estes he stayed out here at my when he came this year he was doing some uh, tv for the Giants, and he called me and, and wanted to – he goes, hey, can I come to the shed and stay overnight? <laughs> so and, so, he, so he, he came out, and so I still got guys, and, and I told the Giants, I said, we need to get where – I know they always do some – where they go places with uh, fans or they have their community where they get the group together and go. I said, you guys need to come to St. Louis and auction that off or something and say, hey, oh. we'll, go to, we'll go to Woody's shed when we go on a trip to St. Louis. And I said, see if uh, I could help uh, raise some money for the community fund or something. <laughs> I, that, that is one heck of an idea. Kirk, that would go for a very pretty penny. <laughs> yeah, well, if you like the Giants, there's a lot of Giants memorabilia uh, in there, or sports in general. It's not all, it's not all Giants, but uh, – Obviously, a majority uh, 
Mike Murphy always took care of me, the clubhouse guy. Even even when I retired, he was still sending me when the Giants were winning all their World Series. I'd still get, you know, signed Sports Illustrated or, or Buster would sign stuff for me, uh, Bumgardner, Lincecum. Uh, so so I, I even got the – the uh, young, well, I call them younger because I'm old, but I've got the World <laughs> Series guys uh, in, in my shed too. Not not just us old guys. I got some uh, recent ones too. <laughs> no, no expo stuff in there though, right? Boy, there's not a lot. I should have kept. I mean, back then I didn't do as much. I mean, I I got a couple of jerseys, but boy, not as not as much expo. Uh, <laughs> just the first yeah, year. Right. That might be all I put in there. <laughs> Kirk, how would you how would you put into words what your time, all of your time with the Giants means to you? Oh, it means everything. Like I said, that that day of the trade uh turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to in my life. I mean, as far as baseball and how my career could have turned out. I mean, we've made so many great friends, you know, in the Bay Area. Uh, still go back, you know, at least two or three times a year. My kids love going out there, and, and I couldn't have picked. You know, my wife says that all the time. Carla's always telling me, boy, we couldn't have picked a better city back in 96 to get traded to just to be able to go visit and where everybody wants to go than San Francisco. And, and then, like I said, with the way the Giants, the organization has treated uh, myself and my family, over all these years. I mean, I've been retired for 15 years now and they, it's like, I'm still there. Like I, like I just retired last year, the way when we come out that they treat us and, and take care of us and, and just makes you feel good. And like I said, it, it means everything, uh, to myself and my family, the last, I guess it's 24 years since I've uh, been a giant, uh, back in 96. And, uh, it, was, it was the best thing, obviously, like I said, that, that ever happened to me in my baseball career. Well, Woody, thank you. This was uh, a whole lot of fun and uh, fantastic to hear all of these stories. Appreciate it so much. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments presented by Oracle. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast presented by Oracle now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.